If you want a wildly healthy, naturally disease-resistant pet who turns heads and starts conversations with awestruck onlookers, you're right where you belong. This is the Vital Animal Podcast with your host, homeopathic veterinarian, Dr. Will Falconer. Welcome back to another episode of the Vital Animal Podcast. This is Dr. Will Falconer. We're going to talk today about blood tests. Do blood tests tell you everything you need to know? Or are there simpler, surer ways to know when your animal is unwell and needs attention? Some of my readers and listeners have told me over the years that they happily trot their dog into the vet annually for blood work. Now, you've likely learned by now that you don't need to do that for titer testing, right? If that's news to you, be sure to listen to earlier episodes with Dr. John Robb and Julie Ann Lee on titers. You need to be apprised of that one so you're not wasting money on thinking wrongly about titers. But what about those annual chemistry screens and blood count tests? Is that a wise practice? Should everyone be doing this? Are you starting to get FOMO by merely hearing about this phenomenon? FOMO, by the way, is fear of missing out. Let me explain why I don't think this is necessarily a wise investment. And I'll do you one better by telling you something much more useful that doesn't cost you a penny. Listen up. First, is there any harm in these blood tests? Well, other than the toll that it takes on your wallet, I don't think annual blood work is a dangerous thing unless it's packaged with pressure to revaccinate your already vaccinated pet or to vaccinate your unvaccinated but naturally immunized pet. Or if these blood tests are packaged with flea, tick, and heartworm pesticides. Or if they come along with a bag of prescription food for Sadie. All of those things would be detrimental to the health of your pet, no question. And I listed them in order of harm potential, with vaccines always residing at the number one spot. But if it's just a blood sample sent off to a lab to assess a bunch of chemistries and counts of various types of blood cells, there should be no particular harm to your animal by doing this. Are you curious about Leroy's liver function? Sadie's cell counts, like WBCs, red blood cells, platelets, and the like. Bobo's blood sugar levels. Kitty's kidney values. How about Thorson's thyroid numbers? All right, I had a little fun with alliteration there. But anyway, go ahead. If that's what you want to know, you just need to know there's limits to this information as well as the expense of running annual tests. So. What are the limits of this information that's gleaned from pulling some blood from your animal and sending it off to the lab? Well, the most obvious one to me, speaking as a trained homeopathic vet, is that you're testing something that's pretty far downstream from a problem occurring. In other words, by the time the liver or kidney or blood sugar is out of whack enough to show up on a blood test, your animal has likely been ill for quite a spell. These values are rarely acute, sudden changes, unless perhaps Rover has just romped through an oat field that was recently sprayed with glyphosate, 
to desiccate the crop for the convenience of the combine's scheduled appearance. Those numbers typically turn south with chronic disease processes that have been smoldering for quite some months. Thorson's thyroid was sliding, and Kitty's kidneys were challenged long before you decided to get the blood test drawn, or before that year came around if you're an annual blood tester. And I think you'll agree that it's in your best interest to catch disease sooner than later, correct? The chances of recovery and cure are greatly enhanced when treatment starts earlier than later. A caveat here that I want you to know in case you're hearing this for the first time. The commonest diseases of our day, whether we're talking about pets or their people, are chronic in nature. Remember that word? It simply means slow, smoldering disease that lasts and lasts, often for life if you haven't sought truly curative treatment. Most importantly, I want you to remember that while modern medicine is great at treating acute disease, it has always failed to cure anything chronic. And likely that failure will continue far into the future. So let's put that in simpler terms, just to make sure it's crystal clear. Acute disease could be a car accident, say with horrible trauma, a condition known as shock, broken bones, maybe even a concussion. Emergency medicine in the developed countries is quite good at fixing these sorts of things. They'll put that body back together, get the animal back on its feet, and in short order, back to pretty normal life. That's acute disease. Chronic disease, again, the commonest stuff we see in the trenches of veterinary practice, or human medicine for that matter, is much more insidious. Food sensitivities or flea allergies, causing your dog or cat to scratch out her hair, make bloody sores, or get inflamed, stinky, painful ears, these are things that you'd much more likely to confront in the life of your pets. Hypo or hyperthyroidism, arthritis, heart disease, kidney disease, any inflamed organs like the eyes, the ears, or the bones, autoimmune disease of various kinds, all the way to cancer. These are all chronic diseases, the ones that make your animal miserable long-term and slowly drain your savings account. And being the norm now is the prevention of these diseases that I focus on. As conventional medicine has zero cures up their sleeves for these nasties. And even us in homeopathic practice have a long road ahead of us to cure somebody who's been chronically ill for years. And the conventional vets, yes, they will throw lots of drugs at them or cut out parts or reshape knee joints in vain attempts at cure. But these man-made chronic diseases, man-made because wolves and bobcats don't get them, by the way, they just slowly get worse the longer the drugs are used to try to cover up symptoms. But back to blood tests. The odds of you finding anything chronic smoldering in your animal with a blood test, at least early enough to do them the best that you can, those odds are slim at best. So let's talk about those free things you can focus on to get a head start and how you can use these freebies to get some serious curative treatment working for your animal. What are these freebies that are available to you? In a word, they are symptoms. 
These have been guiding healers and animal caregivers for centuries. Symptoms are what kept our mothers over millennia apprised of when the youngsters needed to be attended to, whether with herbs or fasting or homeopathy or acupuncture or whatever natural means they had back in the day. Symptoms are known and highly valued to all homeopaths who use them as a window into how your animal is out of sorts, thereby guiding appropriate remedy choices. In our rush into modern times, we've often lost sight of these valuable clues, but they are usually quite easy to appreciate with a bit of attention turned towards them. I have more examples of symptoms and how you can track them in episode number 24. It's called Symptoms Wildly Misunderstood by Your Vet, and you can get there easily by going to vitalanimal.com 24. The thing I want to convey in today's episode, however, is this. Symptoms show up well before blood values change. That's their great advantage. Just like you may know that you're about to get sick. Have you ever had that feeling at the back of the neck, kind of like a slight chill or a sensation that something is there, almost like it's trying to get in? I think I'd probably been vaguely aware of that earlier in my life, but I was really made more aware of it when I studied acupuncture and TCM back in the day and heard that the Chinese called this the invasion of the Wei Qi, if I'm recalling that term correctly. It's that knocking at your vital forces door saying, hey, we're trying to get in. Well, that symptom, really a perception in this case, is something that only you know because it's internal. It can't yet be measured on a thermometer even, though a fever is likely on its way. Similarly, if your cat Kiki starts drinking copious amounts of water compared to her normal, and the litter box is wetter and needing changing more often, you've got a solid symptom and one worthy of your concern. It could be diabetes. It might be early kidney failure. It's possible it's even something else, but catching this symptom early can help you gain direction and decide on treatment. Or if a month after a round of shots, Sadie seems to be spending a lot of time licking her paws, way more than she ever used to. Parenthetically, this is very common, by the way as vaccination often has a lag period of close to one month before the itch shows up. And while Kiki's thirst may in fact already be showing up in her blood work, I can guarantee you Sadie's itchy feet will not. You can use these symptoms, especially when they are a change over what you are used to seeing in your animal, to get busy and work on her health. Maybe that starts with a diet change from a toxic kibble to a balanced raw food. Maybe that's ditching the flea, tick, or heartworm poisons in favor of a more natural approach. And maybe, best yet, you've been keeping track of your animal symptoms for a while now, and these recent changes now have you searching out a homeopathic vet to do that deeply curative work we call constitutional prescribing. I submit that symptoms regularly recorded by you will help you far better than blood work done annually ever could. Symptoms are what's kept us well for millennia and what's tipped moms off that help is needed for as long as we and the animals have been on the planet. Thanks for listening. Keep an eye out for symptoms and to learn more about how you can track them, 
be sure to listen to episode number 24. And look for the show notes for this episode, which, like all episodes, will have more helpful information and links for you, and is easily found. Just open your browser and type in vitalanimal.com slash 36. This being episode 36, you just go to vitalanimal.com slash 36 to find the show notes. This is Dr. Will Falconer, and until next time, keep on with your careful work of tending to all those in your care, those innocents who depend on you to make wise decisions on their behalf. Over and out for now. 